Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, guys. DGS on KMOX. Uh, my in-studio guest is Anders Walker. He is the Lily Myers Professor of Law and Professor of History at St. Louis University, right across the street from where we are now. Been having a lovely talk uh, before we went on the air. It's going to be really, really interesting. Professor, uh, great to meet you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, let's get a little background on you. I don't know if Andrew told you it a million years ago. I went to, to law school as well. So a, a little bit of background, at least in some of this stuff. Um, what was it that drew you to this uh, area specifically of the law? Well, so I teach constitutional law and uh, immigration is uh, part of that. It's uh, Congress's duty to write the law of immigration and it's the president's job to enforce the law. Um, we originally, I told Andrew uh, one day when we were talking about uh, Governor Abbott in Texas and succession, like, well, I don't know anything about succeeding. I hear this all the time. Every four years, someone makes a, a threat of it. Uh, let's find someone who knows something about it. That's how we found uh, Professor Walker. And you were talking about, uh, very fascinatingly, that it's maybe not even so much about that. It's more about the ability of a state to protect themselves from invasion. That's right. So. Abraham Lincoln settled the question of secession with two million men. You can't do it. But Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution says a state can defend itself from an invasion. And Governor Abbott down in Texas is saying we're under invasion here. And so I want to send the state troopers down to the border and I want to put barbed wire in the river and I got to stop this. And he's citing the Constitution as authority for that. Mm -hmm. So I was always taught before law school, during and after, that the Supreme Court, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> was the final say. And as you know, they just issued some sort of uh, of an opinion saying uh, about the razor wire. And now you have the, the truck convoys. And I guess my question is, to what degree can Texas do anything once the Supreme Court says you can't do this thing? Well, that's right. The court has consistently said this is a federal matter. And you got to stay out of it. So if you're Governor Abbott, you're supposed to just sit in your office and look out the window as people walk by. Uh, it's actually not a bad idea to send those people to Chicago or D.C. or Martha's Vineyard because all that's left then is to apply political pressure on the president and on Congress to do something about it. And it's really the president's job because Congress has passed the law of immigration. You have to have a passport to get in the United States. Yeah, that was really interesting. You were talking about a, a, a pretty, maybe not a quick fix. Maybe both those words are wrong and especially together. But if we uh, if we required everyone coming in to have a passport and then you could seek asylum, 
That would solve a great deal of this. Right, and that's the law. So if uh, you ever fly the United States and you enter in New York, you fly to JFK, you get off the plane, you show your passport. Same for us. If we go to France, we go to England, we've got to show our passport. If we don't have a passport, we don't get into France. Is it too much to ask if you can walk 1,000 miles to the border to go to the consulate and get a passport? I don't think it is because every country asks it, and we control everybody coming from everywhere else in the world, and all you got to do is show ID, you get in with a tourist visa, and then if you want asylum, you can apply for asylum. There's a form for that. You can apply for a work visa. You can do it all lawfully, but it's very dangerous just to let people in with no identification whatsoever. So $64,000 question, why did we stop doing that, on the southern border at least? Well, it's because America is so great that tens of thousands of people want to come here. And this is the problem, is the sheer volume is so great that it's sort of overwhelming the uh, yeah. the border. But that doesn't mean that it's not a simple problem. you got to have a passport to get in the United States. And then the question is, well, how do you stop all these thousands of people? That's the difficult question. Part of it is also Mexico's problem. They're just letting all these people in saying, come on through, you know, head to America. We could just say you can't get in. Yeah. And you can stay in Mexico. You can go home, go to the consulate, get your passport, come back. You get automatically in tourist visa, three months, apply for a job, apply for uh, admission to a university, apply for asylum. It's interesting because if you say to most engaged people politically, uh, the stay in Mexico policy. Oh, yes, yes, Donald Trump, the stay in Mexico policy. But we, that's not even really a policy. <laughs> that's just the way things are supposed to be. We're just, we're just giving it a name, right? That's right. If you show up at JFK, you don't have a passport, you got to get back on the plane and go back. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a stay in France policy. Yeah. And every country in the world recognizes that. It's not like this is crazy. Right. Like, go to Denmark, Sweden, Norway. you got to get a passport. And if you don't have a return ticket... They're going to sit you down and ask you what exactly you're you're doing there. Yeah. They want a a return ticket. Of course. Welcome back, guys. DGS on KMOX. If we're just joining us, we're talking to Anders Walker. He is a professor at uh, St. Louis University, uh, constitutional law and history. Um, This may be more sociology than constitutional law, but uh, help me think about because we get a lot of phone calls from people saying, well, just look at the Statue of Liberty and, you know, give us your huddled masses. And we owe this to these people and they're political refugees. Um, How do you square that with what we've been talking about? Like, I tend to be fairly soft hearted, but not to the point that I'm willing to give up my institutions, if that makes sense. So good question. European immigrants who came through Ellis Island were subjected to intense scrutiny, physical examinations, proof that they had connections in the United States, proof that they had money, proof that they would not become wards of the state. A lot of people were sent back. That's a lot more intrusive than just show me your passport. So all these people who came to Ellis Island and passed by the Statue of Liberty were subjected to intense uh, scrutiny. And we've had strict immigration controls even from Europe. In the 1920s, we restricted immigration from people from Italy, from people from Eastern Europe. There's nothing new about that. It's just the law of immigration. Mm -hmm. 
And this, again, will be more of a political question, but we get a lot of people who will say on both sides, well, no one wants to solve the problem because Republicans are basically business people. They want the the cheaper labor and Democrats are bleeding heart liberals and they want to help the people out. And so people feign this for uh, fighting over uh, elections, but really no one wants to fix the problem. Do you, do, do you find that believable? Yeah, I actually do. I think that's right. And here's what's going to happen. Someone's going to come across the border and they're going to do something very bad, something that makes 9-11 look like a fender bender. Then we're going to shut that border in a day. All we need, and this is the tragedy, is we need some major terrorist attack to get America to say enough. And then Biden and Congress will suddenly come together just like we did after Mm 9-11, the Patriot Act. But it's a shame if that's what we got to wait for. Why don't we just... Get to work on it now. Make sure everyone has ID. You get in. You get a visa. Expand the visa program. Yeah. Expand the work visa program. Come in six months, work free. So uh, let me throw you a curveball here. I Not since law school have I had the chance to talk to a law professor about this. Uh, but since 2000, when I took my show, life has changed. History has changed. America has changed. Talk to me and my audience a little bit about what it means when people say, well, I'm an originalist, uh, the Federalist Papers, uh, James Madison didn't think this, or uh, they didn't have bazookas in 1779, just kind of overall the living, breathing aspect of, of this document that we're talking about. Well, this is a big deal now because the current Supreme Court is very interested in the founders, in history and tradition, What was their view of how the republic should look and what the republic should do? And so these days, if you're thinking about any constitutional issue, you have to think about originalism. And that's complicated. What did James Madison think? We don't know. James Madison didn't necessarily agree with Thomas Jefferson on everything. Alexander Hamilton and Jefferson fought over how the Constitution should be interpreted. Hamilton wanted a loose interpretation. Jefferson wanted a strict interpretation. Originalism just means let's go back and see what the framers said, and that will provide us some guidance for interpreting the document. Interesting. How does the new celebrity of the court hit you? They're always in the news, and it's personal stuff, and it's it's no longer what we grew up with going to law school. Well, this court has really invited a lot of scrutiny. They have thrown out some big decisions, the Roe versus Wade opinion. That was a big deal. They're rewriting the law on guns. How shocked were you about that? Well, I was pretty surprised. I had a colleague who had written five books on Roe versus Wade, and she said, it'll never be overruled because then Republicans won't have anything to run on. Well, boom, they just threw it out the window, said it was wrong from the day it was decided. (laughs) Yeah, the dog caught the car. Right. So here's the question. Are they going to try and strike a balance? Are they going to try and throw the left a bone, maybe by saying, oh, well, President Trump can be prosecuted. He doesn't get immunity. And also, since he fomented insurrection, he's disqualified. That would be a huge hit with the left. And then it might help the courts sort of shore up its popular support, because you're right. It now is in the news, deciding some very controversial cases. And it's inviting a lot of 
scrutiny. Do you think they work like that? I've always wondered that. I work like that. You work like that. Umpires work like that in baseball. You think they have those kind of mulligans? Like, look, I know we kind of did you dirty on that last one. Let's help you out, minority or majority. I think the uh, the moderates, I think Kavanaugh, Roberts, and Gorsuch probably sit down over a scotch and have that kind of talk. Thomas and Alito don't care. They're going to do what they're going to do. I think they are sort of committed ideologically yeah. to kind of pushing the country in a particular direction. But I think the middle, maybe Barrett as well, Amy Coney Barrett, who's a law professor at Notre yeah. Dame, I think they're all very concerned about the legitimacy of the court because if the people get angry enough, they could stack the court with 100 liberal judges. And there are only nine of them, and each of them really prize their influence on that body. So I think that most of them do think – about the repercussions, which is why Roberts did not want to overturn Roe versus Wade, even though he's a conservative. Who are a couple of your modern day justices? Just you like the way they think. You like the way they write. You like the way they've conducted themselves on the bench. So I like Justice Gorsuch. I think he is sort of the Atticus Finch of the court. I think he's Got a nice style. Uh, I think he actually reads his own con- his old con law textbook. A lot of these judges haven't been to law school or taken the bar in years, and they sort of forget, you know, what's the test here? And they sort of go off and start writing kind of Faulknerian essays. Yeah. But I think Gorsuch is interested in, you know, the rule of law. Like we're setting down rules that people are going to have to learn and memorize and understand. And so I like his approach. Uh Barrett's an old law professor. Kagan's an old law professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sotomayor was a law professor. So they understand that we're sort of writing rules here and we're not just doing ad hoc opinions and we're not writing poems or kind of essays. Yeah. And I think that's important that they understand that this is something that people are going to have to learn. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Welcome back, guys. DGS on KMOX. If we're just joining us, we're talking to Anders Walker. He is a professor at uh, St. Louis University, uh, constitutional law and history. Let's talk a little bit, and I really appreciate this. This is a fascinating conversation, and I'm learning as much as my audience is because I've forgotten so much what I learned 30 years ago. Um, Precedent. Uh, day one, law school, precedent. Here's here's why the, these West law books matter. This is why you're going to the library. This is why the Supreme Court matters. And then with the Dobbs decision and a couple of others recently, it's been, oh, oh, oh not so much. That's right. And that might explain why the court is suddenly interested in originalism. If you can say that the Do- if you can say Roe versus Wade was something the framers never would have signed on to, then you can sort of override the precedent argument, which is, well, this opinion was wrong the day it was decided, just like Dred Scott or Plessy versus Ferguson. So Plessy versus Ferguson was a precedent, but I don't think anyone wants to bring that back. So to, to say that James Madison would not have agreed with it is a way to sort of get around the precedent question. Mm-hmm. This is stare decisis. It's been settled. And that might be why we're seeing a return to history. Hmm. Um, last question, but it's a big one. You go as long as, as you want to. Uh, Andres Walker here, professor of law and history from St. Louis University. Uh, Donald Trump is maybe the most fascinating person who's ever been born, certainly in the last couple hundred years. Not a fan of his personally, but uh, I'm always telling my friends, my daughter's a freshman at KU in the Leeds program planning to go to law school. And I said, you'll be studying Donald Trump and your great grandkids will be studying Donald Trump uh, as far as the challenges in the Supreme Court. Talk uh, about any of the cases pending or any of the cases that have gone uh, to the Supreme Court vis-a-vis Donald Trump at all. So Donald Trump's been great for teaching con law. Suddenly everybody wants to know what's going to happen to the president. The big question now is whether he will get immunity from some of these criminal prosecutions like the one down in Georgia, that's a big one. Did he tamper with the election? And then the one in D.C. is a big one. Both of those go to, did he try to interfere with the peaceful transition of power? That could be the one thing that Gorsuch, Roberts, Kavanaugh, Sotomayor, Kagan might say, that's tantamount to insurrection. You are staging a coup, seizing power, barricading yourself in the White House, and the United States of America is about the peaceful transition of power. That's what makes us different from Russia, China, North Korea, and so on. So this is going to be a big deal. Now, if the court disqualifies Trump, that's going to be really controversial and We'll just have to wait and see what Mm -hmm. the repercussions will be. So the stakes are very high because Trump is coming back. He's using the criminal prosecutions actually to burnish his image. He's now casting himself as a martyr, a hero, and he's got a lot of support. I think he just beat Nikki Haley. He wasn't even on the uh, ballot in Nevada. Yeah. And so if you've got somebody with that level of support, I think Taylor Swift's the only person who has more support. (laughs) Is the court really going to disqualify you? Maybe not. So prior to the last couple of years, if you were talking about whether a sitting U.S. president could uh, pardon themselves, you probably would have been having beers with your students. But now it's a real question. What, What do you think? Well, I think there's a case to be made for yes. A sitting president should be able to pardon himself. Otherwise, the United States of America would have a president sitting in a jail cell in Fulton County, Georgia. And that's a problem. Uh, I think the court might even expand the pardon power 
to apply to state crimes because otherwise every local district attorney in the country could score major political points by trying to jail the president of the United States. And if you think about it, it's upside down. The president should be granted immunity to run the country. If you don't like the way the president runs the country, vote the president out. Now, once the president's gone, then maybe you can launch your criminal investigations. The interesting thing will be if President Trump gets convicted and elected. Mm -hmm. Then I think he might have to pardon himself. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, how's he going to run the country from a jail cell? Yeah. I'm looking at Andrew. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It's really fascinating. I'm going to – one last question. So – Having been to law school, I look at this differently than most because I'm not going to say it was propaganda, but going to Wash U and I barely made it through college and suddenly I'm at Wash U and, you know, they're telling you you're a genius and and they're going through all of these gods of law over uh, the lifetime of our country that sat on the Supreme Court. And you do begin to think of them as more than a man, more than a woman, less than a god. Uh, when you look back over the history of the Supreme Court, I imagine there were some characters. I imagine there were some people that maybe weren't the brightest bulb, <laughs> you know, maybe not the, the sharpest knife in the drawer. Talk to us a little bit about kind of when we say Supreme Court, we think of maybe uh, the Warren Court on. But we've had a very, very long history of law that we still use. Oh, yeah. It's one of the uh, hallmarks of the United States of America is no other nation has a court with the history that ours does. We have the longest living constitution in the world. No one has a court that has the power that ours does and that has also remained uh, respected and legitimate, even though the court is basically overturning popularly enacted law all the time. And so it's a testament to this nation that people believe in the constitution. They believe... It's a nation of laws, not men. And the justices on the court need to be mindful that they're interpreting the law. They're not just running a policy institute. And I think for the most part, the court has been mindful of that, and that's part of the reason it's survived. Very interesting. Anders Walker, professor of history and uh, constitutional law at St. Louis University. Been a real pleasure. Thank you so very much. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 